All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We have, um, uh, again, something we want to show. Now, this is not on the political side, but I need you to pay attention. Now, the first section to this, the video quality, is not all that good. But you can still make out, you know, what's being said um, and what's... Um, Of course, Brother Shane didn't have a chance to test it anyway. But he still can be able to make out. What's being said, um, the second part of it, is kind of like them reiterating uh, what's going on or what had taken place. Now, what it is, it's somebody in 2001, and this is one of the legit I believe that all the testimony is legit. The only thing that makes something not legit on this, on this scale is unbelief. You know what I mean? Anytime someone has unbelief, they think that their unbelief is belief. And just because they don't believe, they think that since they don't believe that it can't be so. Or, you know, whoever did, they did, they did some pretty good animations, you know, inside the, the video in itself. But like I said, the first part of it is just, oh, you probably won't cut them lights out back there. Where's the switch to them things? Very, very good. Very good, sober, actual, factual, and truthful. It's um, a pastor a little small village um, over in Nigeria. Car hit something, ran into something. He died. He thought he was only dead about 15 minutes. He ended up being dead three days. Um, took him to a, uh, some of y'all may have heard of Reinhardt Bunky. I have, many have. But anyway, uh, took it to a meeting and then saints began to pray. And uh, he ended up coming back to life. After three days, and even with having them bombing fluid in it, and they have it all documented. They even have they even showed a piece of paper, and they get the testimony witness from the doctor that they took him to it, pronounced him dead, gave him a piece of paper, sent him on to the mortuary. Mortuary guy does go through all them bombing stages, and the wife. Um, there was a crusade or a meeting coming through, and they said, "Well, I'm going to take my husband there." See, again, over in other countries. You know, like I explained one time to um, some, some, some lawyers who are demonically driven when he was questioning me on my faith in Jesus Christ. I said, the reason why, he said, you raised somebody from dead. I said, I don't know why that's such a big deal. People do it all the time. It may not be such a big deal uh, to y'all because we live in a system. You know, our system, which I have disdain for, and I make no qualms about that, our society the reason why we can't see a lot of these miracles taking place today because as soon as someone dies, what's the first thing people do? Go call the government. They go call the government. And so you don't see people being raised up from dead and all these miracles like you see in other countries because they don't have all these oppressive laws like we have over here. 
Now, you ever understand the way I speak, the brother and the way we believe in all of it, you know, we're, we're very occultic. Uh, something's wrong with us. You know what I mean? But when you do assessment at the people who's saying there's something wrong with you, um, if people could look at them and see themselves in the mirror, huh? But apparently their law is not like ours. You know what I mean? Um, I remember a time when Brother Enoch had passed away. And, uh, David Jackson and I was down there. They were just bringing him back. He had went over to uh, some country. What, Nigeria? Was it Nigeria? It was Ebenezer. It did. He went over there and he ended up getting something or catching something, came back, and he, just, he died a few weeks later. And, um, of course, you know, he, they went up to the autopsy place, you know, because he died there on the, on the farm down there in Walterboro because the government got in on that. And so they brought him back in the van, and I mean, Dave Jackson sitting there in the back right there, and and of course, you know, I'm in my, I'm, I'm thinking that, okay, sure, this brother, you know, he can raise him up. Ain't nothing too hard for God that can't do it then. You understand what I mean? Of course, then when I seen the brother, because I had to pick up his dead body and lay it in on his bed. Me and David Jackson did. Of course, by the time we looked at his dead body, they done butchered him like a deer. Chest cavity was cut open, had a bag, had, a, had all his organs in a bag. Stuck in his chest cavity, I go, what in the world? Now, that, I, now, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's nothing too hard for God now. You follow me? But when you see something like that, you ain't got to say you don't have to have no faith for nothing to be staggered. That just didn't make sense. You know what I mean? They, I mean, you have to understand. I picked up the bag out of his chest, looked down in his chest, just like I was doing, like you would a deer. And I said, man, this is ridiculous. Y'all remember that when, when um, Brother Wayne, Simon Wayne passed away? Y'all remember that? And I see, see, a lot of people don't know all these experiences we've had, you know, over the years. You know, people just think we just fly-by-nighters and crazy folk who don't know anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we, we've had some experiences. I mean, some serious experiences. In the short period of time we've been ministering, we have had grand-scale biblical experiences. I kid you not. And... Satan's kingdom, he know who we are. That's good. That's good, because he can't ignore us anyway. But this is some serious documented cases, right? And you'll see the, the, um, the genuineness of it. He gives, now the reason why I'm showing it, because he gives an account of heaven, what happened. And also, a few of the things that he said lines up with some of the accounts I heard previously from people years and years and years ago. You know, you understand. You know, there's people, they don't believe that there's a heaven. They don't believe there's a hell. People, a lot of people think that the only heaven and hell is what we're in right now. They think that once the breath out, you go out of your body, and that's it. That, it everything ceases to exist, and you know what I mean? Now, I'm not the smartest man in the world, and neither am I the dumbest man in the world. But I have made an assessment. I did take an intelligent assessment. I did. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, something um, transformed in my heart. Now, did I understand everything that was going on then? No, I didn't understand. I still don't understand everything that's going on now. Even after all these years, I still don't understand. I'm, I'm still 
Just like everybody else, I'm growing in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I live my life in fear and awe because of the things that I have not only believed God for, the things I see him do and the things that have been done. And it wasn't hard for me to make a set. You know, again, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I can sit down and figure out, okay, if you go this way, it's going to lead to the path of death. If you go this way, it's going to lead to life. If you do this, it's going to lead to death. If you do that, it's going to lead to life. You believe Jesus over here, you can go to life. If you mess up and you don't believe him over here and you think you're going to get by, it's going to lead to death. So me being not the smartest man in the world, it wasn't hard for me to figure out that I think that I would just stick with Jesus since he gave me the Holy Ghost. Because my church didn't tell me we needed the Holy Ghost. You understand what I mean? Nobody in there, I ain't never heard no Holy Ghost. The only thing I seen close to what they call the Holy Ghost was my aunt at funerals kicking her shoes out, running down the aisles, knocking the light bulbs out and stuff, and, and people screaming and hollering, ah! and they called out. I said, what they got? They got a spirit. They got something. And, of course, then later on went to a funeral like that, and, and uh, Sister Carol and I saw the same thing. And, of course, we looking at each other, and we know that ain't the Holy Ghost. And the reason being, because the Holy Ghost... Don't behave himself unseemly. Now, there are certain things that the Holy Spirit does. You know, so there are certain witnesses that we get. So, with me being not the most intelligent guy in the world, do you understand what I mean? With me being not the most intelligent man in the world, all right, follow me, it wasn't hard for me to figure out that there's a heaven and there's a hell. I'm sure you figured that out, too. Now, people don't go to hell um, ultimately because uh, they want to be there. Or let's say people go to hell because they want to be there. They don't want to go to hell because they want to be there. They go to hell ultimately because of their rejection of God. To reject God is more than just say, I don't believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for my sin. To reject God is to reject his way of life. It's to reject his holiness. It's to reject everything he stands for. And so that's the reason. See, y'all didn't know when y'all got around somebody like me that, that y'all end up getting a hold of somebody who is always looking for the way of holiness, always looking for the thing that pleases God, always looking for the thing that is going to, you know, we're sending up timbers in this realm. And so ultimately, if it's a decision with you and God, you know who I'm going to take automatically. And I expect you to take the same role. Because I teach that. Y'all teach that. I taught my family, um, my little bitty family that, you know, God gave me. I taught them, um, I used to do stuff with Chuck and Lydia that they probably throw me in jail for. I used to talk to them, they do something a little wicked and evil or something like that. I go and I'd heat up the oven and I grab both of them by the neck and I put their face right there at it. You remember that? And I said, that's what hell going to be like. You keep going this way, that's where you're going to end up. Now you feel the heat of that, that ain't nothing compared to what's going on. And that's not because, you know, you use it as a scare tactic, you want to send people to hell. That ain't it. It's, the re it's because you reject the way of the Messiah. See, God has a way that he wants people to go. But then we're going to find out that this pastor is going to say something that I always teach. I always do. And I often say this over and over again. I say, you know what? You can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, all you want. But if you die with bitterness in your heart, unforgiveness, you're going to go to hell. I don't care how saved you think you are. You're going to go to hell that way. 
And so if anything, it should bring about some soberness. But you understand, the only way you can have a fear of God is you first got to have a relationship with him. Because if you don't have a relationship with him, you won't have no fear of him. And that's what's missing in the heart of men nowadays, the real true fear of God. That's what's ultimately missing. But this is a legit Bible story. Again, the first part of the video is not all, the video quality is not all that good, but the second half of it is pretty good. It's about maybe 30, 35 minutes long. And, um, and I thought we'd play it because I thought that it would be a good example for us to get a little bit of insight of someone who was dead for three days. I think it was in either 2001 or 2004. So it was recently. Not years ago. That you know, and that you can get a source to where it won't have all this. Um, tainted ways of the American public. I mean, I believe it or not, brothers and sisters, the hardest people on the earth to have for God to save and to make holy is the American people. You know the reason why? Because we got too much. We, we've got too much. We don't know what it means to lament. We've always had everything. We always had everything. Uh, I've been to places, brothers and sisters, that many of you, you wouldn't even live at. Well, you couldn't live at. Well, you just go ahead and die. And I'd come back and tell my wife, and I'd say, you know what? I don't know a poor person in the, in the United States of America. And that includes the people who are bums under the bridges, what they call homeless. I said, they are even rich compared to what I just seen. Would, would I not come home and tell you that? And it would. It would deal with my heart. And that's why I would always be thankful and grateful. So that's why, you know, it, it was no big deal for me to live eight, nine years in a trailer with no running water. Because I had a roof over my head. And I didn't do that because I had a choice. I did it voluntarily. Just like many of you have. It's just, it was a volunteer thing. Y'all understand what I mean? But I've seen some things in my little short period of life that the Americans, I can't even, I, you know, my words don't even do justice for the way our spirit is in this world, in this American world. It is so defiled and so abominable in the sight of God. It is that bad. But to tell you can't tell people that who's always had it. Now, you're going to see some people that have legitimate joy, and they, and they just live in huts. They don't have electricity and running water. And we can't fathom that. They don't get to go sit on a porcelain toilet and comfort and read a newspaper. See, we don't understand. So, well, it ain't me. I'm glad it ain't me. Well, if you... If you've never learned how to deal with a little, when you get a lot, you won't know how to deal with it. Because you wouldn't use it the right way. You understand what I mean? Oh, brother, uh, brother Beck was telling me that, um, you know, everybody's laying off everywhere. Can't find jobs. Jobs just, you know what I mean? You just can't do it. All right? And, and of course, Joel is up there in school. Um, learning electricity. He's going to graduate this year. All right, he's learning electricity. And Joe is also working a job. And then Joe got another job. Are you following me? Yes, 
Joe got another job. And so his daddy asked him, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm washing semi-trucks. And, and of course, his dad said, that's good that you can humble yourself like that and take a job like that. He said, oh, I don't mind it because I'm the only one in class got money in my pocket. He said, the rest of them all there are so prideful and arrogant and, you know what I mean, can't do this because they're too prideful to take a job to go wash trucks. See, that's the American spirit. But I guess, you know one thing, if the welfare check came in the mail, you ain't too prideful to take that, do you? Or the food stamps come, you ain't too proud. See, there ain't nothing to tell you about that. Ain't. And see, so this country is a direct affront against God because the Bible said if a man don't work, he shouldn't do what? Eat. But the government, which has become the God, is going to make sure you eat regardless if you work or not. So you see, that people don't understand what it means to be hungry. They don't understand what it means to, to not have everything available to you. And that's the reason why I have total disdain for the American spirit. I really do. I can't stand it. You can hear it in my words. And I mean every word I say because I know how corrupt it's done to evilly affect the mind. That's the reason why we are the hardest people in the world to even submit to God. Now, England is a country. See, over here, 90%, let's say 80, let's be conservative. 80% of Americans claim to know Jesus. Over in England, only 2% claim it. Only 2%. Can you imagine how it is over there? Now, believe it or not, I've been in both places, and it's worse over here than it is over there. <laughs> and we claiming. And I'm telling you that there will be more Americans on their way to hell than any nation on the face of planet Earth. Any nation. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it for you. I just want to tell you the truth. I just want to tell you the truth. There's a lot of arrogant people that don't know God, don't know his word, don't know his way. That when the breath go out of their body, um, they're not going to see him as God. And you ought to see all the souls that are just flying off in this animation of hell that they, they put down. And just I mean, just remember I told you probably if I, every 2,000 people die, maybe two people get to glory. Maybe two. And I call that conservative. But anyway, I think this will be a good... Um, Something good for us to see. And that's the reason why we're looking at this. So we're not going to turn Bible studies into movie night. Okay? But uh, God did allow for me to come across this some way, somehow. And I think it's going to have great impact. Because anything that will cause you to lament, weep, confess, to do, to do the things that we always tell you to do that you don't want to do, which is go look at yourself. I mean, really, truly see yourself. Don't see yourself the way, uh, look, comparing it to somebody else. See yourself the way that the master see you. Don't measure yourself with everybody else. Measure yourself to Jesus. But it's pretty good. All right, come on, brother Shane. Let's get it going. Hallelujah. So we hope that um, some way, somehow, that y'all enjoy uh, the presentation here. Amen. All right, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bless your holy name. Open our hearts, give us an understanding heart to be able to hear and receive this testimony in the name of Jesus. Amen. I will tell you this, that this pastor said that the angel of the Lord told him this is the last warning this generation is getting.
Science cannot give us the definitive answers to our questions about the afterlife. Not yet. Until it can, our best source of information is the human experiences of those who have undergone death and seen the other side. One such story is that of Daniel Ekechukwu, an African pastor who lay dead in a mortuary for three days, yet lived to tell the tale. Let's join him now in Nigeria, where he tells his story of how he was raised from the dead. Christmas for the Ekechukwu family was always a time of celebration. Celebration of the birth of Christ and the love of friends and family. Hi, Dad. Yo, I've got a God for you. But this time, things were different. On the surface, everything seemed fine. But inside, Daniel was boiling with anger and unforgiveness. <laughs> he had recently fought with his wife and was still harboring deep resentment. That I had a quarrel with my wife on Thursday. And the little quarrel I had with my wife, I frowned on her. Then on, 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 on Thursday night, she was knocking on my door. I couldn't open the door for her. Then on Friday morning, she now knocked on my door. No, on Friday morning, she woke up and I come out. She said, Daddy, good morning. I did not accept. I did not talk to I didn't talk to her. I kept quiet on her and I left on Friday morning. She offended me, she did something wrong, and I, I was angry on her, I was annoyed. Daniel's anger had so blinded him that he had not even seen his son that day. Mommy. Yeah, my son. Where is Dad? He went to, to deliver God to grandfather in a word. Grandma, how are you about that? Soon, my son, go and play. that day were somewhat distracted, almost as if his mind were somewhere else.
As the sun started dipping down, Daniel began to speed up, wanting to get home. He was still very angry. Nigeria's inner city side streets are notoriously undeveloped. A bumpy ride, to say the least. Daniel knew well to travel cautiously. But that day, the car seemed somewhat sluggish and unresponsive. As he headed down one of the dirt roads, he reached down to apply the brakes. But there was no response. Daniel began to pump the pedals furiously, but to no avail. back uh, lamenting uh, auntie mommy that uh, pastor is dead that he saw a group of people carrying him on his uh, head going moving down there so the moment i heard him screaming and i heard that pastor is dead i knew he's my husband so i from that upstairs i ran down i began to run towards the place where the accident happened when nega arrived at the scene of the accident she learned that daniel was still alive but in a very serious condition. Bystanders had taken him to the local hospital where Nega found him. After being rushed to the intensive care unit at Barunyu Hospital, Daniel refused to be treated. Instead, he insisted that he be taken to his family doctor, 
all the way out in a wherry. I must go to Dr. Miss Ranke. It's our family doctor at Oweri. Family doctor? It's what my husband wants. The hospital surgeon told Daniel's wife in no uncertain terms that he was in no state to travel given the extent of his injuries. In your head. He's concussed. He's confused now. Mm -hmm. And he's in good position to decide what's best for him. But despite the surgeon's pleas, Nika was adamant. It's what my husband wants. If he leaves now, I'm afraid he will die. And I'm certain of that. When they discharged us that night, they said I should sign that I'm uh, taking him on my own risk. And I had to do it. So we took him to his uh, private doctor to worry. On our way to that place, uh, he called me that she would take care of the church and the ministry and the children. Take care of the children and the ministry. Shh. Don't try to talk. Uh, good girl. Please don't talk. Someone called early and I'm When the ambulance that took me from the hospital and my wife, they were on a high speed rushing me to another better hospital. So um, suddenly I, I, I had some feelings and um, for me to look up, I saw two angels. When Daniel saw the two angels, he wanted to let his wife know but the angel indicated that he should keep silent. Immediately Daniel's power of speech was taken from him. Neka began to cry, fearing that Daniel would die. The angels took Daniel by his shoulders and lifted him out of the ambulance. Suddenly, Daniel found himself in another place with one of the angels. Daniel, I have a lot to show you. As he looked out, Daniel saw a place where a multitude of people gathered, and their appearance was like that of the angels. Their color was pure white, and their bodies seemed to glow with radiance. Because of their similar appearance, Daniel thought he was seeing a gathering of the angels. Meanwhile, the ambulance rushed to St. Eunice's Clinic in Oweri. Neka and a friend of the family waited with bated breath as Dr. Jose Anibunwa examined the patient. Where's Nega? 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But there's nothing I can do for you. I'm sorry. This is the death certificate. Give it to the mortician. He'll take care of you, okay? I'm sorry. That place, the doctor came and they checked him. After checking him, he discovered that uh, he's dead. That uh, no, no respiratory organ, uh, everything is seized. That we should go away or we should deposit him in his own uh, mortuary. Then to me, I disbelieved him. I said, no, that my husband is not dead. He cannot leave me and go like that. This is not the gathering of the angels, Daniel. This is the gathering of the saints. The differences between the saints and the angels were subtle. Their color is a pure, brilliant white from their hair down to their feet. But the difference is that the angels have wings while the saints do not. The saints were worshiping God they worshiped God with one voice and raised their hands as they were singing. Daniel heard the sound of many instruments and the sounds were like nothing he had encountered before. He longed to join these people and moved over towards them, but the angels stopped him. Daniel. Don't go. I have a lot to show you. Take this file and record everything you see. The multitude that Daniel saw were all looking at a bright light that shone like the sun. It was the source of all the light there. A very thick heavy light coming upon them there now they were all looking at that light as if they are seeing something there but to me i cannot look at that light can you i cannot look at that light because um it's so dangerous to my eyes so i try to dodge to look through but they were looking through but to me i cannot look through Daniel's body was taken to the mortuary where Burlington Manu, yes. the local mortician, arranged the burial. So we start the embalming procedures. I will need a thousand naira. Then you get me the gloves, his dresses, and you get the coffin ready. Then you give me two days in Taba before you come for the collection. Is that all right by you? This was on the 30th of uh, November, 2002. That was the day they brought uh, one Reverend Daniel uh, Aiken who died on an accident uh, case. That was the day. Brought by the father known as Mr. Lawrence uh, Aiken Inhuba. Then after the treatment, I gave some injections, some meals about, this is five mil uh, syringe. I gave about six. Males about 
This is five mil uh, syringe. I give about six syringe to the fingers and the tools to treat before the embalmment. The 30th of November 2001 was a date forever etched on Nenka Ekechukwu's heart and mind. In fact, she remembers it well. Uh, that very day, it was terrible and horrible, and I was sorrowing. Then the word of God appeared to me in Hebrew 11.35. Women received their dead body back to life. So when I read that scripture, I said, uh, dead bodies back to life, uh, dead bodies, dead bodies. I began to meditate over the word of God. I said, dead bodies, my husband is one of the dead bodies back to life. I must take him to Bonkers Crusade so that he will come back to life. Let's visit the mansions Jesus prepared for his people. Immediately, Daniel was in a new place with radiant mansions as far as the eye could see. It was incomparable to anything he knew on earth. Though the appearance resembled buildings, the structure was unusual, not made of any earthly materials. They seem to be alive, moving. Daniel, Jesus has finished his work. The mansions are ready, but the saints are not ready. There was a sound of beautiful singing and worship, and it seemed to come from all around. Daniel wondered where the singing was coming from, because he could see no people there. Daniel, the worship song you're hearing is being sung by the flowers. As he looked, Daniel saw the flowers swaying in response to the music. It actually seemed as if they were clapping their hands, shouting and praising God. They are waiting for the saints. It was around uh, between 12 1 midnight when I came out. I started hearing some noise. 
over here. I wonder maybe the churches, uh, I mean the church people over there, they're having crusade or something like that. And I keep on hearing singing and praises, clapping. I wonder, one of my mind told me to come down, maybe that happens in the mortuary. his hand and as he brought it down the gates ripped open with a great noise Daniel could hear the crying and wailing of many people but he could not see any of them shone from the angel's body into the darkness so that Daniel could see more clearly. There were many people there, but unlike the souls in heaven, the appearance of these people was as it had been on earth. They were from every race, culture, and nationality. Every person seemed trapped in their own personal torment, a torment which would go on for eternity, and they could not communicate with others. The sounds of crying and wailing were almost deafening. Suddenly, they all seemed to become aware of Daniel and started crying to him for help. And they called to Daniel only as if they could not see the angel. made the statement, the force that was tormenting him seemed to increase. The people had flesh, but no blood, and they almost seemed to be on fire, although no flames could be seen.
There was a group of people that were eating their own flesh. They would vomit what they ate and their flesh grew back. This carried on in an endless cycle of torment. Those people you see eating themselves, they practiced witchcraft while they were on earth. They specialized in eating human flesh, and now they'll eat themselves forever. They are reaping what they sow. That place is not good for any human being created by God to go. And God did not make that place for human beings. He made that place for the devil and his agents. But stubborn human beings who will disobey God like the devil will also go there. God have no mind to put any human being in hell. It's a dangerous and a deadly place he made for the devil and his people. What was to follow was an earth any human being created by God to go. And God did not make that place for human being. He made that place for the devil and his agents. But stubborn human beings who will disobey God like the devil will also go there. God have no mind to put any human being in hell. It's a dangerous and a deadly place he made for the devil and his people. What was to follow was an earth-shattering statement by the angel. Daniel couldn't have imagined in his wildest dreams that he would hear the judgment. Daniel, if the book of your life was to be closed today, this would be your portion. No. I'm a pastor. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. <laughs> and I preached all over this, this country. I mean, the, the country in which I'm... This, this can't be. No. No. This can't Enough. Daniel, on your way to the first hospital, you were asking God to forgive you, but you would not forgive your wife, and your sins have not been forgiven. It is a matter of reaping what you sow. You cannot sow unforgiveness to your wife and reap forgiveness from God. <laughs> and immediately he made that statement. My spirit convinced me that what the angel told me or the judgment on me is true. I didn't say no because I remembered that I had a quarrel with my wife on Thursday. And the little quarrel I had with my wife, I frowned on her. Then on, 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 on Thursday night, she was knocking on my door. I couldn't open the door for her. Then on Friday morning, she now knocked on my door. No, on Friday morning, she woke up and I come out. She said, Daddy, good morning. I did not accept. I did not talk to her. I didn't talk to her. I kept quiet on her and I left on Friday morning. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because my wife provoked me, she offended me, she did something wrong, and I, I was angry on her, I was annoyed. I didn't accept her great, I left on Friday. On my way coming back, I had the accident and died. So, now the angel told me that my wife offended me and I did not forgive my wife, and I come to God and ask God to forgive me, that I am not forgiven. That this place should be my portion. I now cry. I did not say no. I did not reject the judgment. The judgment was true to me because I know in my heart I was angry with my wife. I was trying. I was thinking of what to do on her. I was thinking of my wife slapped me. My wife slapped me. What am I going to do to her? 
what am I going to do? I was thinking of what to do. So in my heart, I was annoyed. And I believe God was judging my heart. So he said to me that I didn't forgive my wife, that I'm not forgiving. So while I was crying, 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 shouting and shouting, I was not crying that God, I was only saying, you see how I destroy my soul? Look at how I destroy my soul. While I was shouting and crying, I was afraid. Tears was all over me. I was panicking because that place is not good for anyone. And, and the way everything was looking, nothing, if, if God went to put me inside here, nothing would prevent him because um, while we are discussing, some group of people, thousands of people, we have been sending to hell. Then in me, I concluded in my heart that I must do something to make sure that my husband is revived that I believe that uh, he must come back to life if I should do, make a step of faith or something good I come out of it. Papa? Papa? What? We'll take his body to church. What? Give me. We must take Daniel's body to church. Adam, my daughter. Daniel is dead and he's gone. He will come back to life. I know it. Neko's father-in-law dismissed her request to remove the body from the mortuary. But meanwhile, on the other side of town, things were working miraculously in her favor. As early as 5.30 to 6, I left my house to, with that dress, facing the dad, reaching uh, Amimo Ikeduro. Then when I asked of the the man Reverend, I mean the man Mr. Lawrence uh, A.K. Ihuba, then they directed me to him and I told him to come and remove the corpse that they brought inside my mortuary. They claimed that she died on accident uh, case because during that time he was bleeding. Yeah. Then I asked them to come and remove the body. Huh. I saw some kind of uh, signs. I don't know what is wrong with the corpse. I don't want anything to hurt me. Because this job is a tedious job, it's a dangerous uh, job. Morning, job, man. What brings you so early? I want that body out of my mug. <laughs> Why? Why? Things happened last night. What thing happened? What happened? Sounds of music coming from his room. Oh, calm down. The music may have come from the village where villagers marrying. What does that got to do with the dead? Not that. What exactly? This is no dream. There were music coming from his room. Yo, but tell me, were you drinking last night or what? I didn't drink anything. I mean every bit of it. We took him from the mortuary, we dressed him up and uh, put him inside the gasket. Then we took off from Oweri. Then we continued coming down to Anisha. Um, his glorious cathedral, Grace of God Mission, Anambara State. That was a glory, Omuleri Road. We are even Bonke, we had Bonke serving crusade. That we let Rehad Bonke pray for him that he will raise again. 
<laughs> I started laughing. So this comes and say, yes, okay, give me the tally. She went aboard the tally and cleared their bill. Then we dress the body when I dress the cops. I call on my assistant to join me. They hired an ambulance. They went and bought a coffin, the white coffee inside the rope there. I said, okay, I'll go with two people. Let me witness. Maybe it is the power of God or anything that happens, I will know. So when we arrived there with our um, siren, there was tension all over. Security people came. Both the church security, the one they signed from local government, even from federal government, even the one that came with bunker. Some of them, they thought that we um, evil people that came to bomb uh, bunker the first time. They were pushing me left, right, and center. Then I was standing there pushing and their torment. They were abusing me and calling me all sorts of names. Then so at the time I told them that he's dead, he's even a man of God. People should not um, kill me. He's a man of God, only that he had an accident and uh, died that they should allow us to take him inside so that Bonke can pray for him and I believe that he can come back to life. The security guards refused them entry into the premises, thinking they might have a bomb in the casket. The procession was redirected to a facility in the back of the church. Daniel was taken out of the casket and laid on a table. People started praying for him, praying for resurrection. They say it's actual footage. Then the angel said to me, and he's sending me back to the world to go and warn this generation because this is going to be the last warning to this generation. As prayers was going on, then his heart began to pant. Life began to come in his heart. We continue praying, we are praying, we are praying. I saw these things we are going on. He began to breathe gradually, but his body was still stiff. I saw myself being held of a lot of people. Oh. I saw myself being held of a lot of people. Oh. I was naked, I was wearing only trousers, they pulled all my dress, I saw a crowd of people, more than 20,000 people. I looked my left, right, everywhere, people were shouting, crying everywhere. Some, some was praising God, some was crying, some was, I was looking around, I couldn't understand what was happening. Because to me, I was falling down and I fell into pain, and to me, when I opened my eyes, I was see, I saw all hands was grabbing me. They, they said to me that I jumped up. I saw this big cathedral, a very big cathedral. I looked by my right, my left, my front and my back. Everywhere was full of people. And some people were shouting, some were saying coffin, some say mortuary, some say three days. I couldn't understand what was happening because uh, my experience there is not more than 15 minutes. So I don't know what they call about three days. To me, there was no night, there was no day. There was, it was only that moment I was into. I now uh, said to my wife, 
What is happening? She said I should keep quiet until when we get to the house. Brought me back to my house, this place with my wife. So when we get inside the bedroom, uh, that's been on 2nd of December, I asked my wife, what is happening? What, 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 what about coughing and two days and mortuary? What is happening? Then my wife now begin to look at my body where they injected chemical and she said, did you know he was in mortuary three days and this the death certificate, you know, uh, while I left the ambulance, uh, they, they still went to the hospital. So the doctor now confirmed uh, that I, I, I have died. They now use their equipment to check. According to, you can see, uh, they, they check the heartbeats, everything, the, 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 the eye pupil, everything. According to the doctor, he, after checking everything, he now confirmed that I was totally dead. He now gave them certificate that I sh they should remove me. You can see it here, say, uh, uh, remove from mortuary. Pastor, Pastor, your wife is here. Your wife is here. So he opened his eyes and called me. Then I answered. I began to ask him, Do you want to leave me and this kids and go? That you should not do that. He asked me where is he. I told him Borromeo Hospital. Say that I should take him out of this place if I love him or if I don't want him to die here. I should take him to his uh, doctor at Owerri. Um, As we are going, my husband called me that I should take care of the children and the ministry, that he has, um, uh, he has built a house for me, that I should not worry, that I should take care of everything, that there are some people called to go quick, that is among them, that his journey is ended. And I began to cry now as a widow. And I began to recollect what I will suffer in future. So I was lamenting and crying. They were holding me that I should, I should not cry. I know my condition, but I should hold myself. When we get to Federal Medical Center, so time is late. They say they, will not, they, will, they won't attend to us. So the doctor is not around. So one doctor and one nurse came out to come and check what happened. They say, we said that this man have, a, have an accident. He said, okay, 
there is no time. This man is already a dead man. We should take him to mortuary. They rushed to this St. Eunice clinic and met Dr. Josie, the one we met up there. Then he thoroughly examined him and said he's off. That it's better we remove him and put him to the mortuary. I was told he was involved in a motor accident at Onisha. When I examined him, I looked at the chest. There were no respiratory movements. I listened with the stethoscope. There were no breath sounds. I tried to look at the heart, the cardiovascular system. There were no heart sounds, and the patient had no pulse. I looked at the eyes. The pupils were fixed and dilated. I just made an impression right away that the patient was dead, and he should be removed to the mortuary. I don't know what to do again. My, my heart ran out of me. I was shouting. And I, as their village is close to Oweri, I told them, let us run straight to their home and inform his father that his parents is at home. We proceeded to their hometown. Then when we reached there, his father came and joined us. Then in the, in the night, midnight of that Friday, the wife came here with the dead body. After seeing it, in order to avoid crowd of people, I took him with the wife to the mortuary. When they brought him in here, he was being brought by a father and a wife. Then there's no life in him, no heartbeat, no any kind of any sign of uh, breathing. They accepted him as a dead, as a corpse. And after all those, I checked all around the body and everywhere is so stiff. That will all give us the strength to start our procedure. When I send him in to the second room, the last uh, slab. The mortuary man took our name. We gave him 1,000 naira to continue his work. Then on Saturday, I left here to Anisha again to bring home the children and the wife and my own first son that is living at Anisha. I brought all of them home here. As I brought them, we were here sleeping together before the wife cried. But I began to call upon the name of the Lord. I began to remind God of his promises. And number one, this year God told me in Isaiah 61 that I shall not experience any violence in my home again, that I shall be called the city of the Lord. So when anything that happens, I will hold God on that word. I say, this is one of the violence. It has come again and you promised me that I will not experience them again. Why this one? So that is always motivate me to hold God firm so that that violence will disappear from my way. And uh, this uh, another verse that always appears to me is Hebrew 11:35. Women receive their dead bodies to life. So the moment I read this place, it always put force in me to hold God and act. So. That night, when I remembered all these things, I said, no, it cannot happen. I must do something to prove God again. On Saturday, while we were sleeping in the night, the wife of my son, for I took him to the mortuary. He said, the woman said that the husband is disturbing her, that they should carry her to Anisha for Reverend Bucky. After some time, my, my father-in-law considered, and both of us, he, he went to them and planned with them 
Before I could come, they have already put my husband inside the gasket and I was with my first son, Victor. So when we reached, I hide inside somewhere so that he will not see the father because as the questioning me, where is my daddy? I told him, your daddy is in the village. When we reached the village, he asked me, where is his daddy? I told him, he's at Tarnesha. So I was deceiving the little boy and he was crying. So the moment they put him inside the uh, ambulance, they pushed him. I ran inside the car, the, the front side with my son and with his brother. So we started coming down to this place. When we reached the GRA, I saw somebody ask them, do you know if Bonke has come? Bonke was here on the second day of December 2001 to commission the Kingdom Life World Evangelists, which is the evangelistic arm of this great ministry. We put out the advert. We even invited people to come that is going to pray for the sick. And he's going to pray for the Onisha people. Then we're on the platform around 1 p.m. Bonke was preaching. Suddenly somebody came to me and they told me that they brought a man with an ambulance, a coffin. Both of us were sitting together at the same place inside the church. Before an usher quickly ran in and told us there's an emergency, they are trying to bring in a corpse into the church. And we have to run down from the fourth floor down to this place. And coming down here, we met an ambulance car. Already a pastor has already ordered them to go up. And, I, and we told the ambulance people to come down here. And I told them, first of all, go and bring the man's wife. I would like to talk with her first. And then I brought her over. And we are just down there at the shade. I was asking her what actually happened. I felt that the anointing will be so high here that the anointing will resurrect my husband. That was what I felt before coming down here. Both of us, we consulted together. I told him that it would be a very big embarrassment bringing a corpse inside the church. And what do we do that wherever we are, that God is, that if God wants to perform a miracle for the man, the place where the man is does not really matter. Then the security men, because we have security men from the state government and the federal government, the SS people, the mobile police unit, they were there, they ordered the ambulance to stop and demanded that they will open the casket to make sure that they didn't bring in bomb, telling people that he's a dead person. When they looked at him, it was a coffin, it was a dead person. They ordered them to close the casket. Then that was the time our local <laughs> security men told them to move away with the coffin. Then the wife started crying and said, I believe that he's going to come back to life, I believe. When she started crying, and they were arguing, some people say bring him down some people said no then some of my people will bring it down other people will push it back some people will, and they were dragging until my son went there and told them to carry him to the basement and to get him out of the coffin that they should not carry it with the coffin into the basement because the children will be scared and people will run away first of all they should remove him from the casket which some other boys helped us do they removed him from the casket down there just at this plane now and they have, we have weekly have to run inside this, um, um, inside the youth conference center. We are looking for a place to lay him, and they brought in these two tables, and his head was here while his legs were here. This was the first place where they now laid him. Then we come to the meeting. Bonke finished. He prayed. 
for people after praying for the people i took him to the office somebody rushed in and said he's now breathing that is breathing is breathing now he has started um breathing bit by bit that we should pray so i and my pastor friend pastor luke Ibeque, we started praying but when i touched him from the head to the toe was like a stockfish and his hands like like this even there are some people that uh, snapped in a picture his hands were like this by the sides i just lying like that so we started praying we continued praying and praying and praying he was breathing his breath was reviving and reviving and reviving until some other person go and gathered our boys inside the, the main auditorium. When they gathered them, they all gathered here. We were all praying. At times, I would say, stop, let us sing, and we sing, and we pray. People, we are all around this place. They wanted to see. They wanted to know what we finally happened. So, we were praying all through. As we were praying, we were even sweating. And we are telling people to go away that he will get, uh, get some this thing. And the wife was sitting down there in a bench. So, and we were just praying and praying. So as we were praying now, suddenly we saw the eyes started, the life started coming in. I said to my pastor friend, Pastor Luke, that you know they say that he had been in three days in the mortuary let us massage him so he was there massaging the right hand and i was here massaging the left hand we are that squeezing it making sure that life because now we find out that as we are praying that the heart started the, uh, the heart become hot so and he was breathing Britain, we started massaging the hands. As we massaged the hands, suddenly it seemed that life came into the hands and we put the hands on the heart and the chest. Now, the neck, I massaged the neck and life came into it. I was able to turn it, but before it was like a stockfish, I was able to turn it. I picked up the mic and asked the whole people that that dead man they brought here is now Britain. And the father interrupted my announcement and said, although he's breathing, his body is still like iron. Suddenly, people shouted for me to turn to see why people are shouting because they were all there, filled up all this place. They want to see. And when they shouted, I saw this man jumped up. When he jumped up, I abandoned the person I was with. And I rushed and I grabbed him just like this. When he started breathing, suddenly he jumped up. One of the men in deliverance grabbed him. Then he looked around. Then they decided to carry him up because people were jamming into the place. Then he asked for his fire, his fire, his fire. I find out that if we keep him here, people may trample upon us. I say, let us take him upstairs and we follow through the step. Staircase there, and we up we go at the edge of the step. He say, Water, water, he demanded for water. I was shouting, Bring water, bring water, let's give him water. And uh, as they were delaying, he was asking me, My file, my file, my file. And I said, 
that is the fire the enemy is using to accuse you. Just cool it, you will, you will understand. As we carried him to the pastor priest office under the uh, under the fan, we keep him there, and the fan was rolling. He was still asking, "Where is my fire?" You see. And uh, after which, mommy come in there. He said, "The here is too compacted that we should take him to the main auditorium that he will have enough air." So we take him to the main auditorium. People throng. Suddenly, we saw people coming in from the outside. It seemed that the news went in, and people started coming in. As people were coming in there, they saw the same man sitting down. I went back to my village with a, a ram. I gave it to my father and I told him I'll be coming back with bags of rice because of the Christmas. So on my way coming back, getting to my house, there's a, a very big valley. The valley is very, very much. So on my way getting to that place, the brake of my car failed. I missed this car, 238. So, I tried to control the car. I couldn't. And uh, because of how dangerous that place is, as a very big pillars, they position there to wedge the car, not to somersault inside the big place. So my car had to hit those pillars. And uh, I hit my chest on the steering. And um, I remembered I was vomiting blood. Blood was coming out of my nose. So, and uh, there was someone with me. He was also wounded, so people crowded. I remember they brought me out of the siren. Uh, that was all I could remember. Um, while I was at the hospital, immediately I got myself. I just looked around and saw all the drips and all the things they fixed on me. So I now requested for my wife. And when they brought her, I told her that I wanted them to take me to Dr. Omezurike at Oweri because he, is, he has been my doctor. There was a time I was slaughtered. He was the one that took care of me. So I now requested that he should take me to him. Then we took him out from that place. Off we went to Oweri. Uh, I had pastors and other people to go with me. So but because of the way I was breathing, so I felt within me that something might happen on the way. I now requested that they should please allow my wife to come in. So I and my wife was in the ambulance. So at the time, two angels came inside the ambulance. Immediately I saw them, I was afraid. I, I wanted to say it out, what I saw. But eventually, one of them just shut me up. So I couldn't talk concerning the angels. But I only told my wife, take care of the church, this and that, and things I felt that she don't know. When the two angels took me off. So we came to a place that they now handed me over to an angel, one of them. So that one now took me to a place. He told me that we are going to visit paradise. That was what he told me. Because I was communicating with him as human being, everything you can. I asked him questions, he answered my questions. He was holding me like a friend. So he now told me that we are going to visit paradise. So we now visited a place. When we, when we approached the place, I saw multitude of people that look exactly like the one with me, that angel with me. 
The angel with me was having a white apparel. The body was pure white. The apparel was pure white. But the, the, the apparel doesn't look removable from the body. So, and when I saw this crowd, they were looking exactly like the one with me. So in my heart, I say, oh, look at where the angels gathered. That was what I thought, because I was still having thought in me there. So now he told me that this is where the saints that have died, this is where they are. So while I watched them, they were singing praises and so wonderfully. You know, it was as if there was a force inside that environment that controls what they do. When they want to raise their hand, they raise it at once. No one will be faster, no one will be late. If they want to bow down, they will just go down. Wow, no one will be faster, no one will be late. As if there is a force controlling them doing other things. was hearing a lot of musical instruments, but I never see anyone. So while that experience was going on, in my spirit, I, I, I desired it most to go in there to join them. I even made a move. He said, no. I still have a lot of things to show you. Don't go in. So after that, he now said, let us go and visit the mansion Jesus promised. Are you getting what I'm saying? He now took me to a, a wonderful place. In fact, what I saw there, I, I don't have anything to describe it. It was so glorious, very wonderful mansion. You look at the building, it will look like glass, look like gold, look like whatever. You, even the, the flowers there, we are looking like gold. So, you know, when I was looking at that place, he now told me that Jesus has finished the mansions, but the saints are not ready. He now said, now let us visit hell. That, that was the last visit. Uh, now, now, that's one thing that happens. From the paradise, whatever he said, we appear to the place. We never fly, we never move. Immediately he said, let us visit the mansion. In a twinkle of an eye, I just found a place that looked like that mansion. So, from that mansion, he now said, let us visit hell. In a twinkle of an eye, we found ourselves the place. So, immediately we approached the place. That gate was so big, so large. They wrote on top of it, welcome to the gate of hell. As soon as we got to the place, the angel just raised his hand like this, waved it down, and the gate opened with a wonderful noise. So immediately the noise, the, 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 the gate opened. I started hearing lamentations. So I now look inside, I saw people like us here. They were having the same, they were putting on some clothes, the same flesh, some are black, some are white. They just look like us outside what I saw in the other side. So they were shouting, there was a lot of pains, a lot of torment, to the extent that immediately that gate was open. It was as if they were seeing me. And I don't even think that they were seeing the angel with me because I was standing with the angel because they never asked the angel to help them. They was asking me for help, shouting. And I remembered one wonderful one because I'm a pastor. So that one touched me so much. He was shouting, I'm a pastor. I only ate church money that I'm ready to refund. Immediately he just wanted to say, I'm ready to refund it, that I should help. That force that we are tormenting, I never see any fire there. I never see any flame here. But the, the, the torment there looks as if people, that they are inside fire. All these things the angel was telling me, I was writing them down in a file. The angel gave me a file and a pen. I was jotting all of them down. Even when I walked here, I remember, that was the first thing I remember, that file. I asked them, where, where is my file? They couldn't understand me. So 
all those things I saw, I jotted them down, but it was later I realized that the file might be my memories and all that. So while I was shouting, asking him for help, he said that he, I have another chance to go back. He mentioned this, that the request of the rich man in hell had been granted to this generation. I didn't understand it. It was now that I woke up, I read the Bible, I, I realized that the request was, the, the rich man was requesting that a dead man should be sent back to the world. So he just said that the request of the rich man had been granted to this generation for the last warning. He said to me that, that he's given me opportunity to go back for the last warning to this generation. It was on the 30th of uh, November. That was a Friday night. Then he was being brought here by the, parent, by the father and the wife. Then with a red Volvo ambulance. Then when I handed over, I mean they handed me over the cops, we lay him down here for first examination. Then when they left, I filled the forms, every that, every necessary arrangements. I gave them the tally as normal procedure, and they left. All right, this is the mortuary, and this is room two. This is where we laid him. On top of this lab is where we laid him. Oh, very night. So this is the coffin where he was being put, all from here to Anisha, where he was being, where is the game? 
these are the piece of uh, cotton wool that we use to close your stocking nose. The stockings for your leg and the hand gloves that we use to close your and during the day. That was the day of for Sunday. This is where we was being laid down all the way for you to Onesha. So on the first thing, Sunday morning, your wife came down and cried to me, told me that there's a man of God in town, an evangelist. We had a bunkie. Well, it's shocking. Seeing a dead man, somebody that, that was once dead, is now alive. It's very shocking. And again, looking at the person, and I'm almost discussing with him. To God, all glory should go. Up to now, I'm still afraid of him because the experience I saw on Friday and what I'm seeing here today, I think uh, we should give God thanks. Because uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it myself. But that time, on Monday, when he came to my house, he was smelling chemical. He was smelling chemical all over him. You see, but now, I haven't seen such a thing. I know that dead people can be raised to life, but I've never heard of people, somebody, who had been three days in the mortuary. It was a security man that removed the cotton wool in his nose, untied everything in his hand. It was too much. It's mind-boggling. When the angels took me from the ambulance, I knew within me that these are angels, because I, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I've been having those stories and all those things. So when I saw them, I knew that they are angels. So I knew within me that this is death. That was where I stopped knowing anything. I didn't remember my wife, my children, my houses, and my cars, everything about me, because somehow God blessed me. But I didn't remember any one of them. And again, on that Sunday, when I woke up, so... I was hearing a lot of voices when I, when I saw some hands holding me. This one was saying, coughing, mortuary, three days. I, I couldn't understand. I didn't ask any question until when we got to the house. My wife now detailed me. Anyway, I, I told my wife that starting from this moment, as long as this heavenly race is consigned, if I hear, hey, I will lock myself in a toilet when the noise is stopped i will come up because i've done i'm not ready to miss this heaven that's what i told her because i'm not ready for any other problem that's what i told. it affected me that I, I i became more afraid of god when they brought him into this hall a lame woman with crutches saw him threw off her crutches not walking she said they're running i could remember the reaction of the man whose husband walked whose wife walked when the wife started running about, she wanted to embrace the husband. The husband said, don't touch me, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, I've been committing sin. If you touch me, you may be crippled again. And the man rushed at the altar and raised his hand and started crying, asking God to forgive for all his sins. It was terrible here. There's a battle in the heartland Where my faith in real life will be. Sometimes hope seems out of reach Hear the growing cry for freedom Am I equal to the call? 
beautiful hallelujah well you heard what he said that the angel said said the request of the rich man has been granted to this generation isn't that something a man come back of course it's not hard for us to believe stuff like that anyway ain't hard for me Remarkable, though, wasn't it? Isn't that beautiful? 
There it is, another witness again. But let me tell you something. When men, in this generation, men's hearts are so hardened, it won't have any impact. It won't have any impact. It won't change nobody from their course when they're on the wrong course. Because people won't have a personal relationship with it. But they went to the Reinhardt Bunky meeting, couldn't get in. I call them roadblocks. But the persistence of that wife and her faith to believe, and then the men of God. There was those, two, there was those pastors that was there, because there was some saying no, some saying yeah. And usually when opposition comes, what does people usually do? Fold. So it wasn't Reinhard Bunky, the man of God, but there were other men of God that was there that God used, and they began using faith. Nobody taught them anything. They just began to do it. So that you, see, you saw the man's body start breathing, and so he, every place he started touching, life started coming back in there. Everybody start touching. You know, life start coming back in there. So that's why I would say, and now mind you, the, the whole thing about this was that the angel told him that he wasn't ready. He couldn't even go into the kingdom because he just got finished having a quarrel with his wife. And he wanted God to forgive him, but yet he couldn't forgive his wife. And don't we talk about that all the time around here? Huh? We talk about that all the time around here, don't we? Of course, you know, you know, I, I sit and watch some of y'all, watch your faces and stuff. You're so disinterested, and you think you got the whole world. You think you're the epitome of, of understanding. Um, you're going to end up in the same old place. There's all the rest of them folks down there. One thing about the folks in hell, they, if they didn't make no noise while they was on this earth, they're going to make plenty of it in there. I understand that mindset. I've been there before. That's why I preach the way I do. Why well, I teach the way I do. Now, just to make sure, I'm going to turn over here just for a second to read a scripture too. Uh, Bible study went a little bit longer than what I anticipated, but nevertheless, well worth it. Um, told you it would make, uh, bring impact, though, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, but how many people is going to cause be more holy? We talked about that in dining hall this morning, too. Yeah, we did. See, because I know this thing is real. See, I don't have to go to hell to know that it's real. I don't have to see glory to know that it's real. No, I live my life because I know it's real. Hallelujah. And that's the way you should do it. And that's what we teach around here. All right? Now, he says, this is what Jesus says. Um. Then the Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that, that debt, because thou desirest of me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, Till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts. Forgive not everyone his brother. Their trespasses. See so I can't understand this, this hard. Especially with the teaching we get. Um, I can't understand. You know this hard the way you. Hold on to something. More than in 30 minutes to an hour. And carry it from day to day. And, and over and over at it. That, that communicates 
The communication that to me, no fear of God. I just don't get it. You know, knowing that the breath can go out of your body any time and then judgment is set. Why would you want to tap dance and play around? I mean, I can't think of a person that I haven't forgiven. I'll usually make sure I stay in that route, too, in that way. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of things that I say with people that, well, I ain't going to do that, bye, 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 bye. Depending on situation, circumstance, chances at all, I will always probably show mercy. I usually do. You know, for those who've been around me a long time, I usually do. But the, what this generation is missing is a deep contrition for the level of sin, what sin does. They, they don't even think that, you know, that sin is just, okay, I confess, okay, I won't do no more. But there's no sorrow of the heart. None. And even after he came back, he said, I'm not ready to go to that place. He's a pastor talking about going to heaven. He said, I'm not even ready to go there. He said, I, I just fear God so much. I guarantee you one thing about him, you don't have to worry about him spending the rest of his days in holiness. I guarantee he'll obey God and teach others too. Whoever want to hear. Now, everybody ain't going to hear. And like I said, you see all those people, all those souls going straight to hell, just, just like it is. And he said that while he's uh, doing breath was coming in his body, he said he was falling down. And of course, what it was, his spirit was coming back in his body. And the other pastor that was sitting in the chair said that, ah, that ain't no big deal. I've seen people come back to life all the time. They see it over all the time. And he said, but, you know, three days? You know, they, we're on a biblical scale now. But what stuck with me more than anything is that the request of the rich man has been granted unto this generation. And then this was said, this is the last generation. We've been telling y'all that. You yeah, have not been deceived in this matter. I mean, people think this thing is just going to go on and on and on and on and on and on. No. Jesus is getting ready. He said the saints ain't ready, right? And then that what he said? The angel even said the saints are not ready. So what do you think we're doing? Why do you think we preach on salvation, healing, and deliverance? Why do you think we spend all this time teaching and healing and stuff? Why do you think we spend all this time teaching the power of Jesus' name and stuff? To get us ready. But you know, y'all see some of the things that you know that the Holy Spirit, he couldn't even argue with the angel because he knew it was true. How many times you hear something that is true and then getting still, you don't do nothing about it, but you fight against it, you kick against it, you just resist it. You just resist it. That's rejecting God. Oh, hallelujah. So that's why I preach the way I do. That's why I teach the way I do. And I haven't deceived all of us. I have not deceived us. And I told you, we're all sitting here, but all of us ain't going to go in. Have I not said that? And of course, you know, well, you don't know. No, I don't know. But I do know this. All of us that are sitting in here are not going in. I do know that. I would wish that it would be true, but everybody sitting in here is not going to go in to the kingdom. And that's just a fact. Yes, it is too. Hallelujah. But anyway, we hope that this thing had some type of impact upon you.
We really do. As long as there's breath in your body, you have an opportunity to see you can't just repent one time. You got to stay right for the rest of your life. You got to stay right for, for the rest of your life, the entire life. And every time you fall short, you got to get right back on path. Every time you get off court, you got to get right back on path. Amen. Now, we'll give you all the grace and mercy in the world, but you fall short two, three, four, five times around this place, you're going to have to go somewhere else and find a path because you can't do it here. Because I won't allow that. You wouldn't allow that if I was living in your home. No, you wouldn't. Hallelujah. So we just deal with people on a real basis, brothers and sisters. We really, truly do. Not because we're trying to scare the fire nobody. We just preach the gospel and just tell the truth. Hallelujah. And this morning, we heard a dynamic message in Dine Hall this morning. Dynamic message. Because we ain't going to put it on the radio. Um, if y'all want something to preach in Dine Hall, I guess you could do Just ask somebody to get it for you, whatever. Um, but that I tell you what, there's more preaching going in that Dine Hall that ever has went up over here. As a matter of fact, it's been more preaching. I would, I would venture to say, what, seven days in a week? I would say five times over than what we get here. Or what you ever hear on it. Or what you ever hear on the radio. There's more preaching going on in that place ever than it happens right here. But this is the last generation. Yes, it is. This is the last generation. It's not going to continue to keep going on. Because um, more than anything, my heart desire is, is that Jesus come. And that's the truth. It will suit me just fine if this earth end right now. No, I'd see another day of this mess. And that's just the truth. Hallelujah. But I guess they did, according to his understanding, from what they, he animated, had somebody to animate as best as he could from what he saw because the angel gave him a folder and told him to write down a file, have a file and keep a file about things he saw. But I thought that was good for us to look at. And of course, you know, watch this. Sure as day is long before the Sabbath come, some of y'all going to fall right back into sin again. No fear at all. Going to get into some type of altercation, some argument, have no fear of God. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, just it's it's so sad. Do I not always talk about? Does it always happen? I'll say it. I'll say, it. brother Doug, come to me so grieved sometimes. He's a pastor. My God, have mercy. You said it too. Wasn't even gonna be 24 hours. Look, look, already. It's just a shame. And of course, you think that when he is saying or I say that or any of the brothers say that, we're talking about you. Ultimately, a righteous person, let me tell you what a righteous person does. If there's an altercation or a fight going on between you or some, or some conflict between a righteous person, ultimately the righteous person would take the low road and do an evaluation of themselves while Satan keep using you to thinking you got an advantage. And that's because of their youth. They don't understand that, that indirectly Satan is using you and you in cahoots and in conjunction with Satan attacking the righteous. But when you get to the maturity level that I'm at and stuff, I can tell if it's the devil or not, and of course I'll fight back. Because, you know, when you're young, you know, you just don't want to conflict and stuff. You know, you're going to have your times and stuff like that, but you really, you really just look at yourself, and, and there's times that it's you, but then there's a lot of times that there's just Satan using someone else. 
whose heart is not right towards God. So y'all see the reason why we preach the way we do with fear? Hallelujah. We want folk to be saved. Genuinely saved. But I will tell you this. If I was you, I wouldn't go to bed tonight without asking the Holy Spirit to show me who I need to get my heart right now. Now, it ain't going to do you no good to ask the Holy Spirit to show you who you need to get your heart right when your heart ain't even right with God. You don't even have a relationship with him. He don't even know you. They, so you just waste your breath. You got the first thing first. That's why I say, you know, I can't understand why some of the things that you should have been dead to in your, in, in, in your sins, Amen. dead in your trespasses, been gone and wiped away. I don't understand how you can carry these things over from year to year to year to year to year. Same attitudes. Same ways. Same wicked ways. I don't, I don't understand how you can do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we can see God ain't playing games. Nope. But that's beautiful, isn't it? All, all, all the saints rose their hand one time. Right? <laughs> said he said he wanted to go down there and, and join right on into him. I said, Bitch, shoot, I ain't, ain't worried about going. I'm going to be there. Amen. Hands lifted up. Heart filled with praise. I am. That's why I talk a lot about hell. You know, that's become unpopular in this generation. Don't talk about hell. Most preaching that people are embracing today is the self-help stuff, the prosperity stuff, everything that pertains to this life, which is vapor mist you're here and gone. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. Father, we do thank you for everything we saw and everything we heard here tonight. We do pray only that these sayings will seek deep down into our heart that we would really truly get our hearts and, and our paths and our footsteps right towards you. Help us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Convict us continually of our sins, iniquity, and transgressions to repent and get right. We give you the glory for all things. We bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, good night. King coming.